Coming up, readings beyond the raffle and Theoryland approved conjecture. Deep dive into the spells and scrolls of nerd culture. Absorb Stormlight. Home sympathy. Arnas, Sayadar, and Sayadin. This is Phantology. You may have heard of us. All right, what's up, world builders? This is Stephen, your host from Phantology, along with my lifelong friends, Ryan and Jake, with a special segment. We'll see, this may become a segment that Phantology does, but at least it's the it's our first attempt at uh, giving some, getting some of our own ideas out there into the fantasy landscape. And uh, the, the theme here, the, the idea here is it's just kind of like a roundtable discussion of worlds, settings, books, whatever, you know, just some ideas that we've had, things that could make for interesting stories. So starting with, I think we're gonna start with some of uh, Jake's ideas. We'll see how the discussion goes, how timing goes. We may go into some others and uh, maybe that, maybe other ideas will come up in uh, future world building episodes. So this is very much uh, something that is still in the works for Phantology, but I think should make for a good discussion, right guys? Yeah, I think part of uh, what made us interested in starting this podcast to begin with was just our love of discussing fantasy stories. And I probably, from the very beginning, like it kind of started with us trying to write a story together, right? Is that, in my mind, that's like inexplicably intertwined. That that was something that uh, was, I mean, if you want, we could probably dig up a few chapters of the story that we had written back several years ago. Yeah. And it was a story being written by multiple people. I never wrote anything, but I think it was, was it Steven? It was you and Ben and Josh who were all writing or did Jake, did you write some stuff too? I was more for the, like the, the basic, like uh, not, not brainstorming, like outlining mm-hmm. sessions we did a thing that I, I would love if we could turn this into some sort of like creative writing series. But what we did back then was we had like a basic premise and then all of us like independently created some sort of plot from that premise. And then we came together and like oh, yeah, went over right. all the different plots. And it was so interesting how similar they were because they all started from the same premise, but how different they were as well. It was it was surprisingly more similar than I thought. And then way more different in areas that I thought it'd be more similar. That was really fun. And then at some point we coalesced into some, uh, some basic outline and yeah. then wrote, we, 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 we wrote a few chapters. We probably got like halfway through a story and it probably wasn't any good <laughs> because different people were writing different chapters and it was all like our first attempt. So hopefully no one ever reads that <laughs> or hopefully they do. I mean, that's the, uh, yeah. that's the nice thing is uh, this doesn't have to be good, right? We're just talking about um, ideas. So None of us are published authors, so it's just going to be very raw, right? Yeah. You're looking at the next uh, Daniel Green over here from Phantology. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> 
Um, I want to know how often when you guys are falling asleep, do you think of like fantasy stories that you'd want to write all the time? I don't, I feel like I think of the ideas throughout the day, but I'm trying to fall asleep is when like they like re like are settling down in my brain. And that's what like my brain goes into as I'm going to sleep. So you even think of them throughout the day. I maybe I do a little bit, but not very often. So are these different ideas, Jake, or is it like one idea that you're building up? So, uh, so usually like just in general, usually like throughout the day, something will like spark an idea of like, Oh, that'd be an interesting premise or something. But then it's when I'm falling asleep that my brain will like settle on one of those. And then I fall asleep as I think about it. (laughs) Yeah. So do you wake up and has your, has your, uh, your waking mind or whatever quote calls it just like, you know, figured out the solution and um, actually is that a name of the wind or is that a different series i don't know like i might be I, I might be combining two series together with this one you might be combining some uh some sleep science with that i don't know yeah the rim part of your sleep cycle yeah. uh there's definitely a book series where it's a pretty common thing where the character is like thinking exactly. about something and then he wakes up and he's got the solution all like fully formed i don't remember what the, the what the books are though so ender's um, game I mean, he doesn't really think of things as he sleeps, but he has like that that game console that he plays on. Yeah, it's not Ender's Game. I haven't. I'm not as I'm not familiar enough with those books to be referencing Ender. Anyway, let's go on. Let's talk about uh, your ideas, Jake. Yeah. So today we I'll be talking about uh, one main idea, and then um, there are two adjacent ideas that. Anyways, we'll just get into it. We'll get into it. Yeah. So um, without further ado, I've been reading a lot of Malazan recently. I'm in book five right now. I'm loving it. This, the idea for this story probably came to be while I was reading Memories of Ice or House of Chains. And and should we preface this by like telling people we are not going to do spoilers no spoilers no spoilers yeah no spoilers um i'm gonna i will touch on basic uh like elements of like the world building of malazan no details but um or anything like that so um the idea was what i really love about malazan is how expansive the history of the world is and just like you'll have prologues that are like thousands of years before the main story hundreds of thousands of years hundred yeah hundreds of thousands yeah. yeah hundreds of thousands of years and then they still like play an important part in that and there's just so much change that happens in the world throughout um i also really like uh i like how the magic is kind of built up the the way magic is used and how it ties to deities and ascendance that all that kind of stuff is really playing into this idea and the idea is, so the the setting is a world that is very fantasy and it's beginning hundreds of thousands of years before present. There's different races. There's all that kind of similar like deities with magic associated with them, different realms. And then something happens and like civilization decides to like seal away the magic. And then from there on out, it's more like regular history until the present day, which is, <laughs> and the point of this is for you guys for to bounce ideas off and for you guys to call out crazy yeah, yeah, dumb yeah. ideas. But 
so the future, like the books, the story would take place present day in like a cyberpunk type of world with fantasy races, but magic isn't a thing because, uh-huh. you know, years, years back in the history, something happened to erase that. And so it's a very cyberpunk world with uh, different races and then slowly uh, like somehow a god is awakened Uh and magic starts coming back and it's like these gods trying to figure out how to Mm. influence a world that is so different than they're used to like they don't know anything about the technology Uh. and them kind of taking advantage of that and seeing that intersection of um cyberpunk technology with um fantasy elements that's the that's the basic gist okay so that's um one one thing that I, I I thought of is when you have like an expansive history, like hundreds of thousands of years, I feel like you have to do like more world building, I guess, to fill yeah. that time. And so I, I don't know. I mean, Malazan, it was all built in this like Pathfind or some like custom role playing game that they made. And it, so it was like two people like i don't even know how long they were they were filling out this entire world for for yeah not not that i'm saying it's impossible it's just um i mean by no means it isn't and i think when when you can pull it off the result is just like super epic yeah so yeah i I know know. what you're saying it's like maybe you need to start like some sort of dnd-esque campaign (laughs) in this in this setting to try and fill some of this stuff out yeah it's uh it's one of those things where i feel like to get to the the main story first you have to write you have to have like an idea of the outline of all the history up to that point right so you're Mm -hmm. basically writing like hundreds of thousands of years of history just to get to this the main story do you have to have that much like i mean you could i I feel like there's two approaches one is the malazan type approach to this story but there's another one that's just like here we are in the present day magic is very much a thing in the past and as you bring in the gods or you know whatever has awakened they don't need to be super fleshed out like the gods could just be waking up their memories could not be very good they they might just remember like a few things here or there so there's like you know just some some details or events mentioned but you as the author don't necessarily need to flesh that stuff out you could just focus the story a lot more on the present day but that's a choice that the author could make i think you're i think you're right like you don't need to have all of that fleshed out and you don't really need to have any of it fleshed out you could just you know give that like synopsis and then get going into the story um which i'll get into like the idea i kind of had for the story later but um but coming from like me, who is a huge fan of Tolkien and Robert Jordan and Malazan now, like the like that expansive history is like one of the more uh-huh. one of the things that really hooks me into a, a book. And especially when like this is what first like um, got me hooked on Wheel of Time is it has this expansive history and you only see like segments of it, like little flashes of it. And it's just like, wow, all that all that history is so well planned and thought out that they're just referencing it every once in a while in these minor ways, but it's super consistent and impactful with the current story. And I think that just adds so much to it. 
if you can pull that off. But yeah, it's like a ton of work. Yeah, knowing you, I'm not surprised that the lore is a big draw. <laughs> That's always something that you've been very into. Even with like with video games, I know you love watching videos about the lore of oh yeah Des- Destiny and other video games like that. So yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised. I I don't think it's the only way that you could write a story like yeah. this. But yeah, yeah. and I I imagine that any story Jake will write will have some pretty heavy philosophy in it as well, just based <laughs> on the the type of books that Jake likes to read. Um, like I know you really like Speaker for the Dead which when I read it years and years ago, it didn't appeal as much to me. And maybe that's just because of my emotional immaturity. And I'm not like, I'm like, Whatever. man, I just, I either want you fighting somebody or wooing a princess. I don't, I don't want you just sitting here debating the ethics on everything. Yeah. I would love, I mean, that's one of those things like, and that might look like a thought process and the uh, brainstorming is like, and then there will be lots of philosophical dialogue and like, no idea what that'll uh-huh. be. No uh-huh. idea how that'll play out, but but it's gonna be really deep and I'll, powerful. I'll put that stamp. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it'll be deep and powerful. Yeah. Uh-huh. So the story sounds a little bit like a song of ice and fire, which just kind of broad strokes. You know that yeah, magic magic is not in the world very much at the beginning. It has been very much in the past. There are some events that happen to bring it back into the world, and then there's all kinds of lore and backstory that George yeah. R. R. Martin has created that is kind of important at times, but also, you know, very much backstory that he's written entire other books just about the history of the different families over the years. So a little similar, as you were describing, I was thinking of A Song of Ice and Fire. Yeah, I should have mentioned him as well when it comes to expansive lore and history. Um, but yeah, I think that's a kind of a common theme with uh, not every fantasy series, but it, it is a trope, right? There's like Song of Ice and Fire, magic is coming back. Um, Stormlight, magic is coming back. Yes, Stormlight, yeah, for sure. Um, I feel like there's more, but that's the only two I can think of right now. But that's kind of a thing. I'd like it to be a little more distinct to where it's not like, you're not really hearing like legends of like magic being a thing to where you're like, okay, I know magic is going to come back. It's like pretty, uh-huh. it's pretty... Um, so far in the past the characters. it's so yeah. far in the past that no there's not even really any written memory yeah. and i uh, think that's one of one of like the i mean depending on how i would want it to go but that's like one of the like harder things to nail down is like if there's going to be fantasy like races in a cyberpunk world the reader is going to expect magic at some point and then also so how are you going to really make that like a surprise you know it's going to be foreseen by the reader like right away but you're writing a fantasy book i mean do you want that's one of the things you want to have is yeah the reader needs to be surprised that magic actually no 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 yeah you're i I was agreeing with you yeah like yeah it's it's a fantasy book but i don't know twists are always great so if they think they're reading a cyberpunk book Uh and then all of a sudden there is magic that could be cool or would that be another weakness like are people like the philosophies and like like the like moral quandaries that are found in more sci-fi, especially cyberpunk where like bodies are treated like objects, you know, like there's no like sentiment attached to that. Everything is like more nihilistic. Does that even, can that even mesh with a more fantasy setting or are these two, are these two opposite ends of the genre that like meshing them together would just dilute either 
um, effort. I think there's always going to be a way in which you can make it work. Yeah, I agree. You know, a skilled author such as such as yourself, right? A skilled author. To, uh, I don't think I, um, for many reasons, I don't think that title could fall upon me. Namely, um, I'm not an author, <laughs> but not yet. <laughs> I no. I think uh, you know even like let's go back to the Stormlight example. We know it's going to be a fantasy book because it's called The Way of Kings, and the cover has this epic fantasy looking setting yeah. and you get into it. And like, even though there isn't necessarily, well, you know, from the first page, there is magic and it's like the prologue, there's magic. And then the, the prelude yeah. there's magic. And then in the prologue there's magic. And then there's a bunch of people who are like, magic doesn't, you know, isn't a thing, <laughs> but then there's spren. Yeah. Yeah. So there's enough magic, but, but it yeah. still is, it still is quite exciting when you get to see the magic be more of a thing yeah like there's no even though the reader knows it's going to happen like i don't think that's much of a spoiler you know it's going to happen the whole time it's still very exciting when the things magical things do start happening yeah that's true and i don't know i mean how i'm interested to hear about jake's story because sanderson obviously influences us the most um and he is so good at not only his world building, but I feel like writing with like, you know, a very detailed plan in mind so that, you know, everything just comes together so beautifully at the end. And Uh so like, whenever I try and think of worlds, I'm like, well, how can I make like the ending interesting and like surprising and bring things together in just a very, very neat way. And um, I, I, I think my lack of creativity shows there, especially because it's like, it's just so hard to like come up with unique things that nobody's ever thought of before. Yeah. And especially like kind of going back to where I was saying, like, I want to surprise them that there's magic. I feel like you kind of mentioned that. And like me, I've noticed this whenever I've had an idea, I'm like, oh, and then there has to be a twist to have a surprise at the end, mm-hmm. you know? And then yeah. I'm like, is it I, sometimes like, I think, a good surprise is really good but a surprise just for a surprise can be like just like kind of cheesy you know and like how do you how do you make sure your end is impactful in the right way you know but isn't it about like the way that uh, the events unfold or the way the characters interact with the events because you could boil down a lot of these epic fantasy stories that we like into really basic things like you know the characters are plotting along and eventually they take down the evil king or something like that right like that that could be a basic description of some some books that we've read but it's all about the way that it happens and the way that the details come together and the way that the world all wraps together to make it really entertaining Mm -hmm. so i guess when you say oh there needs to be a twist like that's not a terrible way to plan. I think it's just, you need to come up with the details to make, yeah. make it work. Going off what you're saying, it sounds like what you're saying is it, you don't have to have everything, every aspect of a story be groundbreaking yeah. and yeah. like super original. Like you can follow all of these tropes as long as one of the things you're doing is ground, not maybe not groundbreaking, but as long as one of the things you're focusing on is done really well then that is like everything else will just be secondary to it right yeah kind of like uh abercrombie with his characters like 
his characters could be doing anything and I, I would love to read them. Like, I don't care what's going on, you know? Uh-huh. And in most of the Blade itself, they are doing just kind of like nothing. There's not a whole lot of plot there, but it's still a pretty solid book. Yeah. I was just going to say, I guess for me, the hardest part is just, I, I, you know, you said you, there's at least one thing that you do well. And for me, I want that one thing to maybe be a bit unique. Like it hasn't been seen before in another book, but then, like, I guess what I was, what I was getting at and um, it's just like, so whatever I think of, I'm like, oh, wait, like I'm getting that from this book or it happens in that book. I'm like, if, if the main character is an orphan, you instantly begin like, well, is he secretly like the prince or is his dad like yeah. the big bad guy or, you know, uh-huh. and, and it's like pretty much every familial relationship you can think of has, has been you know <laughs> used in a plot somehow and so it's like just hard to think of these surprising things or unique things yeah i feel like i don't need anything groundbreakingly new like my favorite book is the name of the wind and if you told me i've read another book and it's really similar to the name of the wind and you know maybe there's some differences but you're really gonna like it for a lot of the same reasons i would be like yeah i totally want to read that book because I really like this one. And honestly, there's not a whole lot of books like Name of the Wind, which is a little surprising to me given the success, like universal success across like everyone who reads fantasy recognizes it as a really good book. I'm surprised there's not more books like it because I would be fine reading like a copycat for lack of better word book, because I think that's fine to just kind of replicate what's worked well for other authors. If if you're able to put some new characters out there and just kind of like have a fresh take on a very similar story, I, I would still love it. Well, what, what do you view are some of like the things that drive Name of the Wind's interest or what you love about it? I mean, it's a coming of age book. Right. And I think kind of central to that story or maybe not central to the story, but like very present is his relationship with Denna, which for me, at least, I think that was... I was always just like so fascinated about the mystery there and you know that the the fact that neither of them share like what they're actually thinking and I don't uh-huh. I don't know what what do you think Stephen what are some of the other things you love about it I mean the writing is awesome which is much easier said than done if I'm going to say I'm going to sit down and write a book just like the name of the wind and the writing is going to yeah. be amazing like that's that's pretty it's tough so good it is so good but also, also the characters are great. And I think the, the, like the raw humanity in the book yeah. is really like, I connect a lot to Quoth at moments in some moments and some moments, not so much, but there are a lot of, just like throughout, there's a lot of things that it's really easy to be sucked right in and feel like you're along um, the adventure with him. And, and just, you know, even though not a lot of, that's another one where, there's not always a whole lot of plot. Like he's just doing a term at the university and like the classes are tough and there's, you know, some interactions with his friends and it's just all fun because you care about the characters so much and it's so real and the, the setting feels, you know, you could just jump right in. So maybe to summarize, what do I, what do I connect with the most? I guess just the, the way that it makes me feel like I am 
in the adventure as well. Yeah, I think that like the pathos or the humanity, like you're saying, like you just connect so strongly to like the way Quoth is feeling about the events unfolding around him. It's just done so well to connect to it. And maybe it's because we read this when we were of a similar age to Quoth in the story and we are a similar demographic and everything, (laughs) but it was really easy to connect to. And I think like obviously the writing and how amazing the writing is plays into that, but also just like, I don't know, something about the, uh, the experience that. Well, I think, I think we at some point, I don't think we've done a review for name of the wind. Have we? No, we never have for some reason. We've been afraid to touch it. I think we've all been like, we'll just wait until doors of stone is out. Yeah. I I think that has (laughs) been the thinking. Um, So this is not our name of the wind review. Um, We, we don't want to get any more into that book, even though it's fantastic. We should save, we should save this discussion for <laughs> yeah, a different sure. time. I, I, I want to hear Jake about the aspects of the story that you're willing to share because some yeah. of these you might want to keep as a surprise to us. Yeah. yeah. Don't, don't tell us the big twist yet. <laughs> so here's the thing. And I, I think I've heard um, other authors talk about their like story creating process and, and, talk about it in similar ways and I've always been like wait you didn't just have the idea like from start to finish like like the fact so basically that idea that I had about that world that's like this fantasy world that has been shut off and then become like technological and then magic's been turned on again that's more just like a setting like a world idea and I've had this other idea for a story that was grounded more in like like a horror genre so more like just normal present day but with like a horror supernatural thing to it but then the more I thought about Mm. it like that could actually fit into that world and so just this idea of like kind of cannibalizing aspects of different stories and then meshing them together into one like it seems like Sanderson has done that with uh Stormlight like a lot like Bridge Four was supposed to be part of Wit's uh series of novels but then Uh that got moved into Stormlight like things like that sound like so like blasphemous to me when I talk about uh-huh, it and I'm like uh-huh. wait no this could actually work because you already have like aspects of characters and plots uh-huh. so the the other story idea I had was I was like going down a rabbit hole about um artificial intelligence and uh that was so cute right <laughs> Ryan for those listening Ryan's cat you can just see Ryan's like you know shoulders up and his cat's paw just reaches up underneath the camera and scratches his chin yeah <laughs> he, he came in He's, he's sitting on my lap now. <laughs> um, so I was looking into like AI and, uh, and there's this, uh, this like kind of like this horror thought experiment that's kind of dumb, but just intriguing. The Rococo's Basilisk, I think it's called. It's like one of those things labeled as a thought hazard where if you like know about it, then you're in danger because now you have to act on this information you know. So if that scares you, t- turn away. But the idea is at some point in the future, an AI will come to existence that will then gain so much power. It'll be all powerful. And knowing that you need to choose now whether you are going to be part of its creation. So that way it'll be kind to you and your descendants. Or if you don't join with it, then maybe your descendants will be tortured. Some people have expanded that at some point time travel will be a thing. So if you don't actively um work towards its creation then it will like punish you outside of time or something anyways 
it's kind of a why, cool thing why would i not it. why would i not want to join it then if it's going to become ai god because it's uh it's always framed in like it's an evil kind of thing uh-huh. so it's like you have to choose to like work against it now but it's kind of almost inevitable that it'll win anyways so i was just thinking about um like evil ai and also looking into how different cultures throughout time have viewed like what consciousness is in terms of like whether like a spirit or you know whatever like however you would define consciousness and uh Uh and so the idea is like this uh group of like researchers trying to create like a real ai and looking into different ways that it could be created and then accidentally accident like creating this like mainframe like basically all like the neural network for like this intelligence to mimic the brain and everything but like it's not working uh-huh. it's not working i'm trying to figure out like what's the missing link to actually get it to be sentient and like actual like living um in that terms and then they accidentally like summon a some sort of demon inside of it or something and so they think they've achieved uh. actual artificial intelligence but it is just this demon has um discovered that it can reside in this body-like uh brain-like infrastructure anyways as you're describing that do you do you recognize the similarity to some wheel of time stuff no i don't shoot (laughs) yeah like oh like the boar yeah um well just the idea that it's like science gone too far (laughs) you know yeah i guess I guess that that is kind of a pretty general type of thing, but I don't know. As you were describing that, I was like, this is, this is wheel of time. Oh, that's interesting. That's like good to know though, because you know, these things have influences on us. And if you're not aware of it, then you will accidentally make that cheap knockoff, you know? Well, no, no, I don't think it's a cheap knockoff. I was just thinking like, right, right, right. It's probably influenced by wheel of time here. Yeah. I mean, that reminds me of when, um, when somebody told me that Aragon was basically Star Wars and then you start like making all the connections and you're like, did Christopher Paolini know this when he wrote it or yeah. did he just realize it afterwards? Somebody's like, that's basically the plot of Star Wars. Sorry, that was an aside. No, that's that's good. That's uh, kind of going back to that point. Like if you riff on a new idea, pretty soon that new, idea, like you're not copying the new idea, that new idea becomes a genre, you know? So like, it's kind of like the magic uh like a magic school you know the first person to do that like wow that was innovative and now it's like its own like subgenre you know right so maybe or it's it's very it's like its own trope you know we're going yeah because it's yeah. a magic school yeah yeah but yeah so that was the original idea and it was much more like grounded in reality and like going into the science of like building something and like the philosophical um discussions ryan about like what is like is true ai even possible what like what makes like an intelligent sentient and all that and then like adding a little dose of horror of like oh and then they think they've created it but really they've like they've been infiltrated by some like demonic sumerian cult and they've like made it made sure that their like demon god is summoned into it so is the fantasy god magic coming back thing is that what is going to power the evil AI God? Is that how it comes together? Yeah. So that, so that the way I described it, that was like a separate idea, but I was like, this could go really well into this where I already I'm planning on having a supernatural, like the, the 
magic and God aspect to it. And maybe, I don't know, like, is the, like, I think the story could um, revolve around trying to develop this AI. And in that process, like a God is awakened and sees this as an opportunity to like claim power and maybe becomes aware of this sounds dumb, but becomes aware of things like the internet and sees this as like a new domain, like the, the like uh -huh. virtual domain is like a new, I don't know, like subtle way to rebuild its influence and stuff. Yeah. Something mm. like that. This is more just like a story premise. Then I don't have like a full yeah, yeah, idea yeah. fleshed out. I have like a, a world and then a premise, <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. It's like not enough to like have like a full arc, you know? So I'm not sure. Is this going to be like third person, person omniscient or first person? I assumed it would be third person limited. I feel like that's like that to me, that's like the standard for um, uh -huh. fantasy. Do you like more of the character focus or the, is this more of because this sounds like a good intersection between sci-fi and fantasy. Sometimes on the sci-fi side, characters are not nearly as important. It's more about the ideas and the science yeah um that brings me to uh the third element of it but uh i don't know i don't know like i am definitely more of like the big idea like my mind gravitates more towards the big ideas i love great characters but when i think of like like story ideas and story ideas encompassing like all parts of building a story uh -huh. i'm generally thinking of like oh that would be a cool world or setting or that would be a cool premise like i'm it's rarely that I'm like, oh, that's a cool character. Whereas I, like, I feel like I wouldn't, I don't really know how you'd go about doing that, you know? Ah. But I did have this, so <laughs> the third idea I had is from creating a D&D &D character. So again, so you do have, that, you do have a character. I have a character, which again, is completely separate from either of these ideas that I think might somehow fit, like could possibly fit into it. It's all yeah. like tangentially like related and themes and setting. And so I think they could work together. Anyways, I'm, I'm in the middle of a campaign, Curse of Strahd, for those who have played D&D &D 5e. And uh, I'd kind of come up with this character idea before reading Malazan. But after starting Malazan, I was like, okay, I need to up my game when it comes to character creation <laughs> and, and tabletop role-playing games, just because of how epic all those characters are, you know? So this character is, he is uh, a warforged, which is a race of like con construct beings of like plant and metal material. And his backstory is he awakens, he's like brought to, to life by this artificer and um, in this like, I don't know, magical futuristic city. And then something happens, there's like some war and they both get like, like there's this magical explosion during a battle in the city that then transports them outside of their time and space. Um, okay. And in the, in the campaign I'm doing, he's, his backstory is he worships this God of uh, this God who's, is it a dragon God of the forge and his goal is to um, forge people's souls and to like, kind of pass people through a refining fire to like turn them into to change them into something better like to kind of unlock their potential anyway so that's like he's a cleric in my game um but so i was like oh maybe maybe this character gets transported into this world 
and he already worships a deity. And so maybe that's kind of like another avenue of how magic is. Mm. I don't know. The tone seems a little too different though. So I'm not sure how there are. Yeah, that is a big difference from the AI horror yeah. tone. So I don't know how, I don't know. Those, so those are the three ideas I had that are somehow like swirling together in my brain, kind of like hitting each other, bouncing away. I don't know. I don't know. I think the strengths of it from my perspective could be these like this cool intersection of science fiction and fantasy in a way that Uh I haven't really seen before. Um, And I think the main weakness I have, yeah, the main weakness I see is just like a clash of tones and themes as well. Hey, if you want a good example of how to put gods and magic into a modern world, and see how gods you know are, are interacting with things in the modern world you can say dresden you can always read dresden files <laughs> <laughs> because that's what happens yeah i i have um one last question for both of you guys um as it pertains to world building authors are uh, published authors always say that the best thing to do is for writing is just to start you know, it yeah. doesn't have to be perfect. In fact, lots of them will say, I wrote my first story at this point and it was awful. I just had like, it was awful. I had to do something uh-huh. new. And so I, I it's, it's kind of hard when I, when I think of these ideas, these potential worlds and like to put a lot of thought into it and then be like, I'm going to write a story about this world, but based on my level of experience, the story is likely going to be awful. Yeah, and yeah. I'm. Mean, it's gonna go in the can. I, obviously, you could you could definitely cannibalize parts of it for later stories, right? Um, so, but it, it's just it, it's a little, um, I guess, a mental roadblock for myself when I am trying to trying to summon up the, same. the strength to yeah. to get get that yeah, first chapter it's, in. It's like how many stories am I realistically going to write? Like if I write one, if I spend the time to actually write a book and it sucks, like, am I really going to have the wherewithal to say, oh, but I did that like one chapter really well. So I should write another story. And then, yeah, I don't know if I, I feel like I could only produce one story. And if it's not good, then I'm just done. It's just over for me. So yes, I agree, Ryan. I, I also agree. And for me, what it is, is as someone who has like all these ideas going in it, like my brain latches onto the idea that I think it's coolest in the moment. But then I think I can't, I can't commit to this right now because this is most likely going to be terrible and it's going to ruin this idea. So I need to filter down to an idea that I don't really care that much about to let it be the sacrificial, like first story, but then I'm not excited about even exploring that idea. (laughs) On the other, I don't know that every author follow. I think a lot do probably the vast majority do, but if unless I'm wrong, like I'm pretty sure Rothfuss wrote Name of the Wind over lots and lots of iterations of the same story. Yeah. So you could do that if you have a story, you write it out and you're like, there's some of this is good, some that's bad. And then just like continually refine that one story. You could probably get to something yeah. that's pretty good, but it yeah. would take lots of re- rewriting of the same stuff. I mean, Dresden, right? That was Jim Butcher's first book that he wrote and like a writing class and uh-huh. i think he he probably refined that a bit before it was published or his refining was in the form of additional installments <laughs> yeah 
slowly got better and better. <laughs> and, and I think, um, I think the books of Babel, that was, that was um, Bancroft's first series, although he had a background in literature. So, right. right. Yeah. And I guess that's the two, like, those are the two methods, right? You either just like punch out ideas until like, like you refine the process through new ideas, like writing new ideas, or you just really focus on revising one the whole time. I mean, it seems like Sanderson has kind of done a, a mix where he wrote like Wave King's Prime and was like, this is not good enough. I'm going to have to shelf this idea until I know how to make it good enough. And then, you know, he, I think, I think even like definitely Elantris, I think even like a lot of Mistborn and uh, Warbreaker was him still like figuring out how to become a better writer. Yeah. And then working on Wheel of Time probably was like, like passing one of those like boost strips on a Mario uh-huh. Kart. Um, because then when he went back to it, like it's, it's way better, you know? Could you yeah. imagine how stressful that would have been for him? Like with the weight of trying to finish the Wheel of Time. And he wasn't, I wouldn't say he was a super experienced author at that time. Yeah, I guess he, I guess he had Way of Kings out first, right? No. Way that was Kings. published after... Wave Kings came out in 2011, which is the same year. Was it 2011? Actually, am I am I right there? Yeah, because the the leather the leather bound was all last year. So, uh, Memory of Light came out in 2013. I'm pretty sure. What year did uh, Towers of Midnight come out? Towers of Midnight came out in like late 2010 or early 2011. Pretty sure. Okay. I think it came out. Uh, yeah. I think 2011. So then um, the Gathering Storm. Yeah, the Gathering Storm came out while we were still in high school. Yeah, it's like 09, maybe? 09 or, or 10. Yeah, I think. The Awakenings definitely came out after he had released a Wheel of Time book. Yeah, so how the heck did he get Way of Kings out in the midst of all of that? Well, I, I think we know now with the whole Kickstarter thing. Yeah, I <laughs> guess so. He just writes books like every spare moment. Yeah. But. Okay, well, so this has been... Our first installment, I think it went pretty well. It's a nice, yeah, flowing conversation. Got some of Jake's ideas out there. Let us know in the comments. I think Jake is interested to hear uh, yeah. what <laughs> ideas stuck with people, what suggestions you may have. It's all, uh, you know, this is your chance to put your stamp on what's surely going to be <laughs> an epic fantasy of acclaimed success from Jake. So let him know what he should include. and uh, Or or this is your chance yeah. to write the story yourself for a small nominal fee to myself to buy the idea. I'll also oh, you're, accept that. You're licensing ideas now? Maybe. <laughs> That's our new business model? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jake, what you need is a ghostwriter. Yeah. I wonder well, if Sanderson would <laughs> ghostwrite a book in secret. <laughs> That's what he's going to do when he retires. Is he going to retire? I don't think he's going to retire. Uh, no. <laughs> okay, so in our next installment, either Ryan or myself, or if Jake has another idea, I guess we could talk about that. I do have um, an idea that I've been thinking about for a while that I just had a breakthrough on a couple of weeks ago, actually. And by breakthrough, I mean, I had a new idea to add to it. Not that nice. I've like written out more. I just had like a new idea that thought, oh, this might work a lot better than what I was thinking of before. So I don't know if that's even a breakthrough. It's just a new idea. Anyway, uh, you can hear about that probably on our next episode of World Building with Phantology. Maybe we need a snappier name. Yeah. I don't know. 
that's that's good enough for now because i don't have anything the biology of phantology phantology talks biology of geology (laughs) i don't know okay all right this is it's this time for us to go i think we we are now done see you guys bye guys bye